Welcome to the British Chamber of Commerce Singapore's podcast channel. We're excited to bring you season three of new episodes featuring in-depth content across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. We've had some extraordinary guests on our channel, including Formula One's Claire Williams. I'm a firm believer that any great team, any successful team has a great culture flowing through it. You aren't successful if you don't. So we put a lot of work into this. Renowned mountaineer Kenton Cool. That 2019 there with a client, a big storm came in and literally destroyed Camp 2. And I've got some video footage of Sherpas like trying to hold on to the tent fabric as it blows away. And the Royal Navy's Commodore Steve Morehouse, commander of the UK Carrier Strike Group. The squadron of F-35 aircraft we have on board is the Royal Air Force squadron. And, and the personnel there are drawn from both the Navy and the Air Force. So it's a what better way of, of showing just the efficiency and the joined up nature that we now have. And distinguished Sky News anchor, Jeremy Thompson. We had two little vans with satellite links and we, le- we leapfrogged up the road to Pristina, the capital, uh, throughout that first day with non-stop coverage from basically inside a war zone. We also sit down with the likes of TikTok, Twitch and Twitter and continue to bring you conversations around business and trade, leadership and people, sustainability, sports and arts and much, much more. Thank you, as always, for your support and we hope you enjoy this podcast. So welcome listeners to the British Chamber of Commerce and Singapore podcast channel. It's my pleasure to introduce myself, Sophie Brown, who's a member of the Chamber here in Singapore. And I am a representative for Overstone Art in Singapore and Asia. And I thought it would be wonderful for me to introduce you to Harko, who is founder and chief exec at Overstone Art. So we can talk about art back lending and the hot topic in art at the moment, NFTs. So I think um, I think let's just crack in, let's just crack on. So Harko, can you just give me a bit more about your background please and, and how both the, the art and the finance fit into your, your, your career to date? Yeah, thanks, Sophie, and thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, so, so yes, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm originally a, a banker. I uh, spent about twelve years in uh, debt capital markets, uh, quite a bit of it in Asia. Actually, I spent uh, six years in Hong Kong, two years in Singapore uh, with uh, with Bankers Trust Company, and then moved back to London with uh, Credit Suisse. Um, and um, after my banking career, uh, I uh, co-founded the first online mortgage brokerage platform uh, here in the UK, which we then sold to a uh, listed UK company. And then I did a bit of a career switch uh, in my late 30s or mid 30s and joined Christie's, the auction house, uh, where I spent 12 years in uh, in various roles. I uh, initially uh, in London and then uh, became managing director for Christie's Netherlands, then head of Christie's Continental Europe, and eventually global head of the Impressionist and Modern Art Department uh, based in New York. So giving me a pretty good sense of both the financial services industry and the art market, which will explain why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a remarkable, very unusual background to mix, mix finance and art to such, to such an extent and to such a high level. So, um, I mean, that leads us on to really how is art being considered an asset nowadays? Yeah, so when I, when I, uh, uh, when I founded Overstone, uh, what I found was that uh, it, it was actually a much bigger asset class than, than what I had uh, anticipated. Uh, there's about uh, 
1.8 trillion dollars worth of art in uh, in private hands today uh, 1.4 trillion of that sits in the hands of uh, high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals so it's a it's a vast asset class um what's interesting also is that it represents anywhere between five and ten percent of the asset value of high net worth individuals right that's need that's right, okay. equivalent to what they hold in private equity right so it's so it's a wow. vast asset class when you're really looking at it uh, from a from a value perspective well that's fascinating because i think um i think the lay person would often think of art as more of a, a passion hold a passion investment rather than really managing it as an asset class in, in itself and i think to equate that to private equity holding really brings that brings that yeah. home yeah, and, and what's been happening is that, uh, interestingly enough, is is that 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 has changed substantially in the last in the last sort of 10, 20 years with the with the shift of generations between sort of the older generations, sort of the pre pre baby boomers, um, the baby boomers, and then the Gen Xers are very much more astute in the use of art as as an asset class, or certainly the economic impact of collecting. Um, you know, the older generation would really look at art as an aesthetic, as, a, as an emotional and an intellectual mm. exercise. Uh, the younger generation, and we'll come to the NFTs later on, uh, but the younger generation is much more aware of the financial impact of, of owning art and, and the financial opportunities of, of owning art. Okay, interesting. And so I'm used to used to being able to uh, lend against assets that are you know like real estate. So how does how does one lend against art? So it's very interesting. So the the art secured lending market is is still relatively small today. Uh, uh, it it represents about two percent of the value in 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 private hands. So right. So it's 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 fairly unlevered. Mm -hmm. That does represent though close to thirty billion dollars. Uh, of, okay. of balance sheet exposure today. So it is very much uh, getting to the forefront. It's, it's growing at a clip of anywhere between 10, 15, 20% per annum, depending on the years. But okay. yeah, so, so there's, there's two real types of lending against art. You have the, what the, the majority is the, uh, the, the bank lenders. So these are private banks uh, okay. who are lending recourse uh, using art as collateral, right? So, so it'll have mm -hmm. a guarantee or other assets. Um, and what you find there is that it's a great way for those private banks to deepen their relationship with the clients, right? Because mm -hmm. art tends to be a very emotional asset still, right? Despite the mm -hmm. fact that, that it's, it's seen more financially, but it's still very, very emotional and therefore a much, much deeper conversation with clients. And so what you're finding is that these private banks do today probably about 80% of the overall lending uh, against okay. them. And you know, that's, that's dominated by a, by a number of big American banks. Uh, and then you have a number of European banks that are becoming much more active uh, in this space. So that's one part of the market. And then you have another part of the market, which is the, the non-recourse lending. So that's the pure asset-backed lending. So mm -hmm. these are specialized lenders uh, uh, who, you know, take art as collateral, purely look at the art, don't really look at the credit risk of the borrower. Um, and, um, and, and these transactions, you know, are, are tend to be, you know, shorter term between, between you know, 
sort of one in two years uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, loan to values in both categories actually ranging between 30 and 50% uh, of, the, uh, of the asset value. Yeah, so more, that's more like a bridging loan that you... Yeah, exactly. And, and the reason for that is, is pricing mainly. So, so okay. when, the, when the banks lend, they tend to lend at anywhere between LIBOR plus, uh, you know, one and a half to four and a half. Uh, and mm -hmm. then the, the asset, pure asset backed lenders tend to be much more in the high single digit, low double digits. So clearly, if you're an ultra high net worth individual and you want to use these transactions, which is generally the case, to you know to invest into other asset classes, mm. right? You would tend to go to your bank. Um, the the challenge there is that you know the the bank is a is a lengthy process for onboarding, as as you know. Uh, mm. and therefore, some of those individuals will go to the um, uh, to to the non recourse lenders, but there the cost is yeah. is relatively pro prohibitive right so so therefore it tends to be shorter now you're seeing in the market emerging thanks to technology and data and we, we can come back to that later you're starting emerging new offerings that are sitting in between where the banks are offering the uh, okay. asset back lending, out back lending and the uh, and the pure asset back lenders Okay, okay, interesting. And is that one of the ways that technology is transforming the art market? Yes. Yeah, so, so what's been happening is that uh, in, in, in recent years, the availability of data, uh, and this is particularly data around sale results, auction results, data about who's participating in, in auctions, data around exhibition history and, and, uh, and ownership history makes it much easier now to understand what the trends are, uh, not only for the market no, and, and not only for categories, but also at the artist level and actually at the object level. So what that means is that you're now able to consider art as another asset class by calculating what your volatility is what the liquidity is of works of art and then specifically for works of art authenticity risk and condition risk so from a, for, so now you have ai that enables you to really measure those those risks as a lender in the same way you would measure risk looking at equities or looking at bonds at the same and then at the same time you're wrapping that into a technology uh, environment which enables you to have a much smoother interaction between the borrower and and the lender okay interesting interesting um and so on to onto the topic that everybody wants to talk about at the moment and um i bought i bought my first one uh, last week ah congratulations <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a um it's a it's a bull for the in the for the in the stock market in New York, it's the quote. It's quite funny, but yeah. So even I'm on the trend, Harker. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so yeah, what I mean, what, you know, um, coming from a more traditional art background, obviously the NFTs have been around for a very short period of time. What you know, what are your what are your thoughts on NFTs? The the sudden um, the sudden rise of them, and your your thoughts on them for the future. So. Uh... So what, what we do at Overstone is, is looking at works of art uh, as financial assets, right? So, so we use what we were talking about just now, you know, we use a lot of data, we use AI, we use technology, and then deep domain expertise, art expertise 
in, in understanding works of art. So we can measure the riskiness, so we can measure the potential of those works of art, either as an investment product or as a, uh, as a, as a collateral if, you, if you're looking to lend. So clearly, when we saw the first, the first NFT headlines coming, you know, with people selling for, what was it, $65 million, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, not so long ago, what is it, like six months ago or, or a little bit longer than that, we were, to say the least, um, slightly skeptical about <laughs> the market. Um, now, since, uh, interestingly enough, um, Victoria, who, who you know, who is who mm -hmm. is really our our lead in terms of art expertise and very traditional arts experts, um, has completely bought into the into the really? yeah yeah yeah. Wow. So it's totally on top of it. And when you look at this market, what you realize is that it, it to date this year alone, two point five billion dollars worth of NFTs have been sold. You know that is that is that is a, a proper market. Now maybe yeah. step back. So so what and for for those who perhaps don't know what NFTs are. So so NFT stands for non fungible tokens, uh, and it's a it's a it's a uh, it's it's built on on blockchain technology, and and what it does it uses a unique way of identifying uh, ownership. Right, so so mm -hmm. it, it's not an object itself, right? So an NFT is not the art that it's that it's covering, but it's 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 ensuring that you have a unique identifier for ownership. That's really what what NFT represents, um, and, and what it is. So the characteristics of it is that it's rare, it's unique, right? Because of that non fungible aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you can you can trade it across different ecosystems. So there's different trading platforms, as as probably you you no doubt have discovered buying yours. Um, you've got to figure out which trading platform. So you've got some trading platform that are open to anyone who wants to sell NFTs, and you know I can make an NFT tomorrow and sell it on an open platform. Uh, and then you've got other platforms that are curated, right? Where where the quality of the NFT the ownership has been tracked. And so, so probably you, you, might, you might want to prefer, certainly if you enter this market, work with one of those. The other aspect, which is very interesting, is its immutability. I always have a hard time with that word, which basically means it can't change, right? And that's the blockchain right. aspect of it, right? So once it's, once it's minted, uh, there's, there's no individual can alter what's, what's into, that, into that NFT. And it has smart contracts. What's, what's really interesting about that is that really the characteristics you've talked about would also be true of traditional art as well, physical art. Yeah, in, in, in a certain aspect, I think uh, uh, where, where a, a big difference is, is it's, it's, again, it's the certificates that the NFT represents, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it's not, so it's not the work of art itself. And that, there's a lot of confusion around that, right? People confuse mm -hmm. the NFT with what's the underlying artwork but it's 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 really the certificate and and okay. i think that's where nfts are going to become highly relevant as a technology to the art world because of that immutability because in the art world you still have issues with regards particularly with regards to ownership yeah, so, okay. so here what you have with nfts you have a very clear crystallized track of ownership from the artist all the way to 
to the, the, the current owner. And, and the mm -hmm. last thing which I think, I think is really relevant is the fact that the, the, you have these smart contracts that are embedded in, or that you can embed in the NFTs. And what that enables you to do is, for instance, there's something called droit de suite, which means that when you're selling the work of art of a, a contemporary artist, every sale, uh, a portion of that sale goes back to the artists, right? This is this has been a, 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 a sort of an infrastructure that's been put around, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Now, the problem is that it's not really enforced because there's very little capability to actually track that. Now, with the with the smart contracts embedded in the NFT, you can ensure that the original artist does get the benefit of the sales and, and get the benefit of that increase in value of the NFT of the NFTs, which obviously is is super super helpful. Okay, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't appreciated that that happened. Um, so, what are, what are your thoughts about the values in the NFT world, and what what defines values? Um, obviously, there's been a huge huge range of prices with um, the one that was sold earlier in the year, sort of topping the charts. Actually, um, bought by um, jointly bought by someone based in Singapore. Actually, Correct. yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, you know, what are your thoughts about value in the market and, and what defines the value? So, um, I'm, I'm not going to directly comment on the, on my own appreciation of the artistic value of a lot of those NFTs, um, you know, it, and, and, you know, it, it's, 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 I, I think what, what is happening is that you have a new generation of tech entrepreneurs and, and blockchain entrepreneurs who have made a lot of, of, uh, of wealth out of, out of the crypto markets. Mm. And, and what the NFT market for me represents is, a, is the same as what happens in a local, uh, a local art market that just develops, right? Uh, let me use an example, the, uh, uh, the Vietnamese art market. So, so what happens is as you create wealth in a developing country, mm. uh, what happens is that the first thing that new wealth buys is the local indigenous art. Right. So new, you know, new wealth in, 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 be it in Indonesia, in India or Philippines or the, 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 the collectors, the new collectors tend to buy their local artists. Right. It's close to home. There's less of a of a feeling of, you know, being exposed by the lack of knowledge that you may have about yeah. the international markets. Right. And so it's much easier to step into a local gallery, you know, the gallery owner. And so so mm -hmm. I think what's happening in the F NFT market is, is very similar to that. So this is the indigenous art for the crypto for the crypto yes. sort of you know uh, 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 generations that's super interesting because we've I mean we've we've talked regularly about um, to, you know traditional art collectors collecting um, initially from from where they from where they live and I, I hadn't really equated it before but um, yeah I totally I totally hear what you're saying and and also the re also that you can often pay in cryptocurrency as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually most, most of them are, are mainly paid in cryptocurrency. And so, so the, the price volatility that you may see, may see in the NFT market is clearly quite, quite strongly linked to what's happening in the underlying cryptocurrency. Uh, so, so how sustainable are some of these prices? You know, that history will tell us. Uh, mm. Certainly what I see happening is that those crypto uh, that, uh, so crypto investors in NFTs or buyers of NFT will eventually migrate to the traditional art world. 
in the same way uh -huh. a, a, an emerging market uh, a collector who's been collecting you know, their, their local artists will then eventually move into the international market. We see that in Asia, right? So, so Asia, if you looked at, at the Asian art market 20 years ago, that was predominantly local uh, lo local market, right? So, uh -huh, uh -huh. so people buying the local artists. Today, 30% of the international auctions go into Asia, right? So that market has completely shifted to the international to the international arena. And I suspect yeah. that we're going to see the same thing with the uh, with the new crypto uh, uh, crypto wealth that's been created. So sort of, I mean, so moving on, it's, it's an asset class that's come up super fast. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts about being able to leverage and loan against NFTs in, in due course? So we're very closely tracking what is happening with the with the NFT market. We're we're tracking the data, uh, the, the beauty of uh, of the NFT market as as opposed to the to the traditional art market is that the data is open, right? So so you can access the data in a much much more streamlined way, which which enables you to to you know to throw your AI models on it uh, and and see what actually what it actually represents. Uh, for for us. Uh, as a as a as a sort of a, as a lender and as an advisor to lender, what we're finding is that a the volatility is is such that it makes it very difficult to determine where your loan to value should be sitting. Um, so that's the first problem. Now that that's that's really a a, a risk decision, right? So that that mm -hmm. should necessarily be a a, a deal breaker. Mm. The, the challenge with um, with NFTs is 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 twofold. One is what I was saying earlier is the fact that it's an, it's an ownership certificate. It's not the work itself. Mm. From a legal perspective, what is it that you're taking really as collateral? Mm -hmm. the, the other challenge is that um, there's an insurance component to any transaction that, can, that, that has art as, a, as an element to it. So if I, mm. I want to lend against a traditional work of art, I will want to insure that that work of art is is fully insured, right? Usually, that's right. The, for insuring it, and then the lender becomes a loss payee on that on that insurance mm -hmm. contract. What's happening in the NFT market is that the main underwriters, insurance underwriters, are currently uncomfortable in mm. insuring NFTs, right? And it and and the the legal aspect of what does it mean to insure a just a certificate. Yeah. What? How do you define something has gone wrong? How do you? Yeah. How do you define damage? Right? How do you define theft? How do you define these different aspects that are so common in in the traditional art world into mm. the into the blockchain world? And so so as the insurance underwriters grapple with with what to do with the insurance of NFTs, I think we're still going to be waiting a little while before we see. Mm we see our, our, our NFTs being used as collateral. Having said that, transactions are happening, right? So, so we've seen right. a number of transactions take place, but, but quite small, right? And, and I think these, are, these tend to be more toe in the water by, by, some, you know, by, by, by some more adventurous lenders. Uh, mm. and, and certainly for, for, for us traditional lenders and, and uh, the traditional, the, certainly the banks, right, that would today be very cautious about taking these as collateral. And I mean, how to, how do these lenders take security over? 
yeah absolutely absolutely how, how does that work absolutely mm. so so in 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 many cases in the art world right you you would take the art under you know either you would have a very clear lean on the art hanging on the walls of 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 the borer or you would actually take possession uh of the works of art right by mm. by having them in a in a third party warehouse you know what's the warehouse for an nft yeah mm, yeah. yeah interesting so so is it, I hadn't realized this much in lending transactions on FTs already, though. So um... yeah, you know, I think I think it's it's you know the moment you start lending against crypto, which which is happening, mm, right? Yeah, and then yeah. it, it's a very easy leap to then to then go into NFTs, right? So so yeah, it's, I'm not mm. really surprised that that we're seeing that. Uh, you know, the question is, you know, is going to see is going to and try to see how how big is it going to be. What I suspect is going to happen is that is that we will find clients and and borrowers so clients of our clients who uh, who will have nfts as part of their overall portfolio mm. like, like yourself right you just bought one you you have other arts hanging on the wall you know you may consider that as one collection and you might approach a lender saying I've got this collection. So, so what what we oh, okay. see so a portfolio approach then, and yeah. then a lender might take a view I, on that as an element. I, I, exactly, exactly. And you know, they may, they may, you know, they may take the NFT as collateral and and discount it by ninety percent. Right, that's that's well possible. Uh, yeah. But I suspect that lenders very quick quickly will have to to come to terms with the consideration of NFTs as as. Uh, as, as collateral, absolutely. Okay, interesting. Um, and so, and so, how how can Overstone help clients through this really fast moving um, landscape? I mean, I think some were saying it's the art world's moved more in the last ten years than it, oh, sorry, more in the last six months than it has in the last ten years, and all these changes that are happening. I, I I think so. I think so. I, I think the art market has changed in, the, in more in the last. You know, even two years than it has in the last five hundred. Uh, wow! And, and and so so when I look, for instance, at the the art secured lending markets, right? One one area where we are very uh, active, as you know, um, you know that that market has been around since the Medici's, right? Since fifteen hundred or sixteen hundreds, Florence, um, and 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 hasn't really changed since right it, it, it's it's still you have a, a, a specialist who, who goes and sees the work of art has a consideration mm -hmm. of its value and you know will have an opinion uh that's that's very rarely based on on actual data and then that opinion is going to then say oh you know we're uh, we're going to lend 30 percent loan to value i know i know big lenders who just mm. consider the fact that they recognize a work, uh, an artist, uh, and therefore determine the loan to value on the fact that they recognize the name, right? Which, which when you think about it, is 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 insane. And so, so, so as I was starting the conversation, um, what I was talking about is is that incidence of data into into this market, right? How has data mm. actually impacted the consideration of works of art as 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 financial assets? And so. I think if you're entering this space or you're already active and you really want to up your game in 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 either looking at art as a as an investment opportunity or as a as a lending opportunity, you, you mm. have to understand 
the dynamics of that market, right? And you have to understand the economic dynamics of that market in the same way you look at the, the economic dynamics of, of the equities markets or the, or the debt markets. And so mm -hmm. what we do at Overstone is that, right? So, so what we do is we provide an end-to-end -end service to our clients whereby we go all the way from the first conversation that they may have. You may approach me and say, oh, NFT, I would like to buy one. What do I do? Where do I go? All of that. So we can, we can insist in, in, in that part. And certainly with the lenders, we can insist in, in Sophie coming to see them and say, oh, I've got an NFT. I want to borrow against it. Mm -hmm. Right. So to, to, to that, to enable that initial conversation, consider, is this, does this make sense? Is this, is, are these the sort of the numbers that we think we're talking about all the way through digital assessment, digital risk assessment. So that means really looking at the liquidity, looking at the volatility of these works that helps yeah. you determine, you know, what is your risk profile of the portfolio you're either investing in or you're lending against. And that determines mm -hmm. for instance, your loan to value, right? If you're, if you're a lender. And then what we do is we go through the full due diligence uh, underlying those works, right? So we look at ownership, we look at authenticity, we look at uh, exhibition history, we look at condition of these works and so all of these are different mm -hmm. aspects. And then if you, if you then have, you know, the need to sell, you have a need to, I don't know, to, uh, to, for succession planning, because you need to understand, you know, which works you should sell, right? Because you have mm -hmm. uh, inheritance taxes to pay. Uh, what you can do is you can, uh, uh, you, you can use our data to determine, okay, which works of art should you sell, which ones are the most likely to sell, and mm -hmm. where do you sell those works of art? Because we've got 10 years of, of, of auction data, right, 2 okay. million auction results, that we can then analyze and say, well, actually, if you're selling this particular work of art, it's better to sell it at Christie's in New York in November, because that's the perfect location for that particular sale, because that's what the data really enables us to say. And when we, mm -hmm. of course, because it's always works of art, we work with, with, with experts you know, in each field and, and have our own experts to really ensure that you add that layer of, of expertise. Mm, fascinating. And mm -hmm. And what what are the biggest drivers of liquidity in in different different pieces of art? Ah, good question. So that's the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Just kidding. So, so, so it it's 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 very vast. So, so our algorithms run on on over a dozen variables uh, for each work of art, and and things will include. Uh, the size, the materials used in the manufacturing of the work of art, of course, who's the artist, what's the subject matter of the work of art, uh, how, how has that, that artist performed over the past 10 years at auction? Um, let, let me use an example uh, uh, I like to use. So, so one of the variables, for instance, is, is size. Uh -huh. and, and as a work gets bigger, Statistically, not for all artists, not all categories, but statistically, the, the it, it, you get a deeper market. So more people are interested in buying it. That's, at, when I was working at Christie's, we used to call this wall power, right? It gets bigger and it gets flashier. And like, wow, you know, and I can impress my friends with that. Um, but but the, the thing is that, that that has a limit, right? When it reaches 6, 10, 15 feet, you can't mm -hmm. hang it over the sofa anymore. And how the number of houses that are big enough to house that particular work of art diminishes. And so what you have is that you have a, a diminishing potential market for that work of art up to the point uh -huh. where it's so big that only a couple of museums may be interested in buying it. Uh -huh. And so what you have is you have a bell curve 
right, of size of object versus depth of markets. Uh -huh. Right, that's really one of those components, and that bell curve completely changes depending on the artists and depends right. on the other variables in the model. And that's really what the what the AI does, right? It understands right. what these relationships are between all of these different variables that determine uh, liquidity for works of art. And and what it enables you to do is to to measure the liquidity for a single work of art, and that's the beauty of it, right? So it's not a, at uh -huh. art level. I'm not saying the liquidity of Picasso is X. No, I'm saying the liquidity of this particular Picasso is okay. X. Yeah. Which, wow, which is, yeah, which is, which, and it's amazingly powerful in its ability to predict uh, sale results. Fascinating. So, I mean, I imagine that could be very interesting for people managing their own collection, even if they're not looking to, to leverage against it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I think I think this is particularly attractive for collectors who are looking at their art not not solely, but certainly partially as a as a as an asset base. Um, mm -hmm. And and this is this is really the way you approach asset management. This is the way you approach, uh, uh, you know, um, what do you call it, uh, portfolio management, right? That's really what mm -hmm, it is. Mm -hmm. And 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 it enables you to manage your collection in a way that whereby you can increase the overall liquidity of your collection you can increase the overall volatility if you want you know you can you so you can really play around with the collection in a way that you're familiar with playing around with mm -hmm. your equities portfolio uh, mm -hmm. and 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 not as much as as what art has been so far yeah no, it's, it's absolutely fascinating um what, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today uh, I, a lot, <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to have time for that. <laughs> no, listen, I, I think it's it's a fascinating, fascinating time to to be in the market. I think it's it's that combination of what's happening with the data, your ability to understand the the sort of the intricacies of of the markets, um, combined with the the what's happening the the new emergence of nfts and no doubt we're going to see other types of artworks mm. that are going to that are going to emerge right as as a piggybacking on 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 the blockchain mm. technology and and that together all that together with with you know the beauty of art itself right the the impact that art has the, the you know the the, the 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 power that art has in 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 moving people makes it makes it an absolutely fantastic place to be and and really I, I'm, I'm so glad that you that that you bought an nft because because i think, I think you want to be part of that that movement right you want to yeah. be part of what is happening in the market today and uh, and and that's great and make sure make sure you keep it <laughs> i'll finish with a little anecdote i was um i was on a on a panel a few weeks ago and uh, and um, and one of the panelists was uh, was a big collector of of NFTs, and the uh, mm -hmm. and the moderator asked, uh, asked the panelist, so um, uh, you know, what is the NFT that you bought that has the increased most in value, right? And, mm -hmm, uh, and mm -hmm. she said, well, actually, it's funny because it wasn't one that I bought; it was one that I was given okay. at an event about five years ago, and it was part of a goodie bag, right? And and they were about 200 participants in that event everyone got a little goodie bag with that with that nft in it uh -huh. and that nft is now worth eight hundred thousand dollars 
and, and so I laughed. I thought, oh, that is insane. That is crazy, right? And then she said, yeah. And, and, and so the panelists asked, well, why is that? Well, you know, because most people binned it, right? So they didn't realize what it was. So mm -hmm. most of them disappeared. And this was really one of the first NFTs. Unfortunately, I realized that I was at that same event. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I spent the entire weekend going <laughs> to trying to find this bloody, this bloody memory stick. <laughs> Is that so that's how the, it was it was on a memory stick? It was on a memory bag. stick, a bloody thing, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well anyway, so keep it, keep it, make sure you keep it safe. Wow. I didn't even realize they existed five years ago. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, right. I'll make sure it's kept very, very safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Gosh, what a story. Um, well, look, Hargo, thank you so much for your time today. I found it absolutely fascinating and I've learned a lot myself and I'm sure our listeners will have. And um, the British Chamber of, of um, Singapore's podcast is available on spotify apple and google and we look forward to everybody listening and, and hearing hearing the feedback thank you very much sophie i really enjoyed it thank you Harko. thanks thank you for tuning into this episode of the british chambers podcast before you go don't forget to subscribe and why not leave us a rating and review on spotify apple google and the other podcast platforms for more information, please visit our website at www.britcham.org.sg and tune in next time for a brand new episode.